I, I've been really pondering how I might kind of open this message up, and I just, I, there were so many thoughts in my mind about my life, and, and when Ron and I first married, and my, or my teenage, I mean, the whole, I mean, there are so many stories, and I was trying to think of a story I've never shared with you before, because you've had, I mean, this, you've heard a lot of my life stories. There was a time, and I don't think this one is, you've ever heard this one, but there was a time when Ron and I were preparing to go on a family vacation. Now, many of our family vacations back in the day were in a tent because we couldn't really afford uh, the hotel, and we said, well, we can afford a tent. We can afford to pay for the campground. But on this particular year, we wanted to up the ante a little bit. So we decided to rent a KOA camping cabin, and that was fine. We, we were able to go to the beach. We stayed in the cabin. We went to the bathhouse. We went to the beach, and it was a nice vacation. It was good. That was a great memory, and there are so many other things I could share with you, but I'll just leave it at this. Some of us, we, we look at a vacation as a necessity. Now, while we need to take time off, we don't always need the Ritz-Carlton. We, we might be just as happy getting away in a tent or a KOA camping cabin, but we have a debt problem in our country. So many people are just in debt literally to their eyeballs and maybe beyond. In my hospice world, I meet so many people I mean people in their 80s who die with massive amounts of credit card debt. I, I've met a lot of families when it came time for the funeral of their mom or their dad or their husband or their wife, when they literally said, we can't afford the funeral. We just don't have the money. We can't charge it. it, it it's, it's a sad thing. Now, I want you to, to think about it for just a moment. We all have birthdays, don't we? I have a birthday. You've got a birthday. Right now, we're living the dash of our life. All of us know, but probably don't want to think about it, that we're going to have the death date somewhere in our future. And we need to prepare for that. Now, that's a sad topic, I know. But it's a reality. How many of you are still working? I mean, you work your, your job. I work. How many of you are retired and happy? Most of you are retired and happy. I just looked it up a few minutes ago, and this is an average. Now, y'all, y'all, let's just do a little math. An average is the all of them, meaning the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between, added together and then divided by the total number of those in the formula. The average. Do you know what the average Social Security check is for retirees? It's just a little over $1,500 a month. Could you imagine living off of $1,500 a month? Some of you are. Some of you may say, I'd like to have $1,500 a month to live off of. I, I, you know, money is relative to where you are. It's relative to what you have to pay. Here's, here's why I'm sharing that Social Security number with you. We are all going to work for a certain number of years, and then we'll be too old to work or maybe too sick to work, and we need to be prepared for that. Today, the topic is this. 
when it matters money, it does matter, we need to learn to act our wage. Act our wage. Now, that's a play on the words, Becky. This is not my original idea. I stole it. I borrowed it. I borrowed it. We have been told more than once we need to act our age. My mother-in-law told me more than once when I was a young dad, I sure hope you grow up with your children. Now, I took that as a compliment because I wanted to stay as young as I could for as long as I could, and I'm still not sure I'm grown up yet. And there are moments when I'm in the office, the hospice office, I have to remind myself I'm a grown, mature man, and I need to be calm. I need to not kid around too much, and I need to act my age. And then there are moments I lose it and I just act like a 16-year-old, and I'm happy about that. Some of us live our life financially that way. We, we don't really act our wage. We live beyond our means. We live beyond what our paycheck is. And that's not a fun way to do life because eventually we reach the point where our debt, because if you're spending more than you're taking in, you're you're going into debt, and eventually you're going to reach your debt ceiling, and you, you, it, it's going to catch up with you. And the same is true for our country. I'll just put that in there. We, we need to get our own country's debt under control. Now, last week I shared this with you. I just want to remind those of you who are here and share with you who are here today when it comes to the psychology of money. And I mentioned it this way. Some of you are the spender in the relationship. You just like to spend. You just go, hey, it's there. And then there's the saver. We don't need to spend anything except for necessities. We need to store away for the rainy days. And you are obsessed with just putting more and more and more away. And you're married to a spender. And the spender just says, where did that money come from? Not too long ago, and I will tell you this story, I almost got in trouble in my house. For over a year, I had done some funerals and some other kinds of freelance things, and I took the money, and I put it away, and I didn't tell Rhonda. I didn't tell, I mean, she knew it was there, but I didn't tell her where I put it. And I had to remember where I put it. And eventually I remembered I need to go get that, and I counted it, and I went, oh, wow, that's considerably more than I thought was in the envelope. And she found out. And I will end the story right there. (laughs) So we have spenders, we have savers. Then the psychology money, there's the budget nerd. I mentioned that last week. The one who loves the budget, loves to control, I mean, they're the controllers of the money. Every penny is accounted for. Every penny is known where it goes. And then there's the free spirit person. They don't care. They don't care anything about where the money's at or how much may be or may not be. It's just live life and have fun. It'll all work out in the end. Then there are those people, how you view money, meaning the way you perceive money 
affects the way you spend it or not spend it. If you are the saver, you're probably very cautious. You're, you're concerned about the rainy days. You're concerned about when something breaks. You're the one that says, you know what? We need to make sure we have enough in savings so that when the refrigerator goes out, we can replace it. And then there is the other. Money means more status to you, meaning if I've got to wear nice clothes or drive a certain car or have a certain appearance of the yard or in the house or it's status. Money means to you, I've got money and I'm, I'm looking like I got money. And then the other influencer psychologically of money has to do with your childhood, how your mom and dad handled money, how you viewed money, and then from there, just your family in general. So we bring all of that into our relationships, and then we develop our own spending habits. Now, with all of that said, I want you to know, God did not give us money for us to serve money. Money exists for us to serve God. Money instead serves us. We don't serve money. But when you spend more than you make, more that comes into your account, then you are not, you're serving money instead of money serving you. And then that affects the way you also can serve God. With all of that said, I want to share with you this one verse, Proverbs 22, verse number 7. You may have heard it before. It's a very simple verse. It simply says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You may have read it before. Listen to the last part of that verse. The borrower is a slave to the lender. That is very self-explanatory. Now, some of you may have, and I'm, I'm going to go out on this limb, some of you may have student debt. You all know what's going on in the country, don't you? There is a proposal that if you have student debt, that may be forgiven. There are others in the country who say, wait a minute, if you went and borrowed money to go to school, you should pay it back. And others are saying, well, I can't pay it back because it's too much and I can't find a job or I can't find a job that will pay me enough to pay back the debt and all of my lending expenses. You see, here's the way we get confused with money. When I was in my generation, there was something called that your word is important. There were deals made not on paper, but simply by word and a handshake, meaning I agree to do that. Today, if, you've, if you buy a house or a car, do you realize it's not a piece of paper anymore that you sign? There's a lot of pieces of paper you sign. Even if you refinance your mortgage, there are many pieces of paper that you sign. And in, again, in my generation, it was read it all. Read everything. You don't know what you're signing. And at some point, you just start going, yep, yep, let's get this over with. Sign, sign, sign. Initial, initial, initial. Because those lenders are honest, and they wouldn't take advantage of me. Yeah. The scripture says the borrower 
is a slave to the lender. Credit's not bad. Scripture didn't say, don't borrow money. In fact, in earlier Old Testament books, if you were Jewish, an Israelite, and you loaned money to a fellow Jewish brother or sister, you loaned it to them, guess what? Interest-free. But if you loaned your money to a non-Jewish brother, you charged interest. That was the way the system worked back then. Here's what I want me and you to understand. We need to learn to live within what we make. And if we have debt, we need to get out of the debt as quickly as possible. Years ago, when, when Rhonda and I had a lot of debt, I actually sat down and did the math. Now, by the math, this is what I mean. I took the payment and then multiplied it, and then I looked at the amount owed, and then the amount of interest that we had already paid with the anticipated interest to be paid, and I quickly learned, for us, we were being stupid. Because the interest that we were paying far outweighed what we used the card to buy. We could have bought several of those things with the interest we paid to the credit card company. A lot of us don't do that. We just charge and just pay it over time. Buy now, pay later. Here's what we don't often get. We really do pay later. We pay a lot later. So with all of that said, here's my question to you. Do you want to be a slave to your lender? Or do you want to be free so that the money God puts into your account, the money God gives you to, to manage, do you want to be able to say, I want this money to serve God. I want this money to serve my family. I want to make the most out of what God is entrusting into my care and I want to help, I want it to be a blessing to as many people as possible rather than for the rich to just simply get richer. See, we make decisions on how we spend our money. In order for us to get out of debt, in order for us to spend our money wisely, there are a couple of biblical principles we need to understand. The first one is this, self-control. I'm going back again, years ago. Today, credit's a lot easier to get than it was when I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, I guess we had credit cards, but I didn't know what a credit card was. I wasn't allowed to have a credit card in my, my early 20s. I remember when, when Rhonda and I, when our van broke down, I mean the engine, gone. And an engine was expensive then as it is now, and with the broken engine, I mean, literally, the engine was shot. We had to replace the entire engine. And we looked at our bank account, and we looked at our savings, and you all know what the end result was? We didn't have enough money to buy another engine. And we couldn't borrow the money to get another engine, so we had to save money to buy a new engine. And during that time, we rode in my little bitty Datsun pickup truck that was designed not for five people, but two. It was designed for two people. 
And I remember more than one Sunday wearing my suit, crawling in the back of that truck because it had a little cab thing over it, a little topper, sitting in the back of that truck with Rhonda driving with the car seat next to the gear stick and the other two kids beside it. Was that today legal? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Thank God the laws were, that are to, did not exist back then. We all piled in the little truck, and off we went. And we did that until we saved up enough money to replace the engine. Here's what I want you to understand. If we're going to learn to live within our means, meaning acting our wage, we need to learn more self-control. Meaning, I can't just give in to my whims. In fact, in Galatians, when Paul wrote and talked about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Learning to say, no, I can't, don't, I can't do that. I don't need to do that. I won't do that. We, we have to learn some restraint. I get ads all the time on my little smartphone. And one of the ads that I get is from Home Depot. Do you know why I get ads from Home Depot? Because they have my email address. And I buy stuff from Home Depot. And they send me ads all the time. I saw one this morning. Sam, look what we found for you in grills. I'm not looking for a grill. I have never uttered the words out loud recently. I need a new grill. I would love to have a new grill. Apparently our phones listen to us. And so I don't know why I'm getting an ad for a, a new grill, but they think I need a new grill. I get ads on my phone for another phone. My phone's paid for. It's been paid for. And I get ads telling me that I need a new iPhone. My iPhone works perfectly well. Do I need a new iPhone? Absolutely not. Could I use one? Sure I could. But I don't need one. I don't even want one. Why? Because I don't want to pay for another one. They're expensive. I am, I am at the point in my life where I can say, nah, that doesn't interest me at all. Now, if I were to go over to Tom's house and see his little tractor, that might be another story. I might see Tom's tractor and say, I've always wanted a tractor. I remember our going up on the farm driving the tractor. That brings back fond memories. I think I could do a lot with a tractor. Do you see how it works? Our brain begins to think of what we might want or what might bring us some happiness, and then we begin to lose our ability to have self-control. Now, I, I don't have this vice, but I'm going to throw it out because I know some of you may, and I'm not saying, do not get angry with me. I'm not picking on you. I'm not telling you it is wrong. I'm just giving you something to think about. I do know some people, every day almost, they will swing by the Starbucks, and they will purchase an $8 cup of coffee. I don't personally understand that. If you want to buy $8 Starbucks coffee every day of your life, go ahead, knock yourself out. As long as you can afford it and you're not robbing the rest of your family from something else. Do you see what I'm trying to say? 
We need to learn to ask ourselves some questions. Do I need this? Is it essential? Am I exerting some self-control? Now, all right, I've picked on the men and I've picked on the Starbucks people. I threw myself under the bus first. The next biblical value to help us learn to avoid being a slave to the lender is learning the art of sacrifice. We, we, do you know one of the things that we all know? The ads are on TV all the time. Need a new sofa? We've got it for you. Buy now and pay no interest for 12 months and pay back in 12 months. There are a lot of people that they do that, but they don't do that. They go get the sofa, they sign the deal, the 12 months comes, and then the interest kicks in, backdated to the beginning of the deal. And they're paying a lot of money for the sofa that was made cheaply and poorly. We, would it not be better if you said, we need a new sofa, and you just said, it's going to cost this much, and you start saving for it? Well, that would be better, yes. But we, we struggle with sacrifice. We, we need to remind ourselves that our Savior Jesus Christ, God became one of us. God lived a sinless, perfect life on this world, and then he willingly gave his life on a cross. He was killed on the cross to be buried Why? Because he wanted to sacrifice his life so that our sins could be forgiven and we could go to heaven. And if Jesus sacrificed everything for us, we need to learn a little sacrifice as well. We need to learn to give up something we we really enjoy or love or like. A while back, Ron and I looked at our, our cable bill, cable and internet. We live in a place where our only option is Xfinity. I hope they don't listen to this. Because they're our really only option. There, I'm saying it out loud so they can really hear it. I called them up and said, our cable is too high. What can we do? And they tried to sell me more. And I'm thinking, this is just crazy. So I did a little investigating, and and Rhonda and I made a very difficult decision to go from cable TV to antenna TV. Now, it sounds easy, but here's what we liked about cable TV. Some of you have done this a while back. With our cable TV, we had a remote, we pushed a button, and it was easy to scroll up and down and find a couple of programs to watch. We could record them and watch them later. It skipped commercials, and we liked that. But I didn't like paying what they wanted me to pay. So I did some math. I looked at the cost of upfront money to kind of have what we have. So we made the sacrifice. We cut cable. We're saving, well, I think, $140 a month. Now, we, we have to pay for the antenna, and we have to pay for a couple of other things, and we've almost paid that off. Well, we paid it because we had it in savings. Now, so we've saved money, but here's what's happening. It's not as easy as we thought. Because when we turn on the TV now, we have to go to these apps to find what we want to watch. 
And even though we have live TV, it's not, it is live, and it is coming through the antenna, but it's just, and every now, they don't work. And we just go, what's wrong? And in order to, 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 to record some shows, we have this other thing that records it, but then it goes offline. And we're like, why won't it just work? We are sacrificing, folks, to save 140 bucks a month. And the other day, Ron and I looked at each other and said, is it worth it? And she said, let's go back. And I went, no, we can't. We've got to be strong. We must be strong. It's $140 a month. So we're going we're gonna to sacrifice. A few days ago, one of my coworkers saw that I, I bring my lunch. And she said, you bring your lunch? I went, Why would I not bring my lunch? Do you know what fast food costs these days? She said, well, yeah. I said, it costs eight bucks to eat a meal at Chick-fil-A. It costs about eight bucks to eat any fast food meal. And what are you eating? You're eating a burger or you don't even know what you're eating. You don't know how healthy or unhealthy it is. You just don't know. And I said, I bring my lunch. It costs me just a little bit. I bring my apple, my banana, my quarter cup of nuts. And I said, I'm happy as a pig in a blanket. I am sacrificing and saving money. We we need to learn how to sacrifice. If you have debt, I would encourage you to do this. Do some math. I mean, literally, just do some math. Find out how much the debt is really costing you. Because what you're really doing is you're paying those rich lenders, those rich banks, just to get richer. And those of you who are not in debt, you're sitting, I can see you. You're smiling. You're like, I know. I'm out. I'm out of debt. I am free. I am free. I am free. You get it. Let's help each other get out of debt and show these folks what real freedom looks like. So how do we do it? it here it comes. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit. I want to read that part again. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent, meaning if you really want to and you work hard at it, diligent people certainly leads to profit. But anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. So you've got the diligent people who say, I will not let money be my master. But if you're reckless and say, I just don't care. I'm going to live in the moment and do what I want. You're going to be poor. See, that's the way it works. So what is the cure? It's, 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 it's a bad word. Some say it's a dirty word. It starts with the letter B, budget. The budget. Don't we love a budget? A budget is so, so good in so many ways, and yet in other ways it just dictates and controls my life. We all have a budget. You only have this much money coming in. And we all spend money either under budget or over budget. And if you go over budget, you got to compensate, and the only way to do that is to borrow or beg your family for more. 
Mama, can I just have $50 this month? Daddy, I'm a little short. I don't have enough money to put gas in the car. Now, I had a tough daddy and a mama. If I ever said that to my mom or dad, they'd say, well, I guess you're walking. I don't have enough money for groceries. I guess you're going to need a little beans and rice then for a while. That's, that's my family. I am saying to you, a budget is not a, an evil thing. And, and a budget should not restrict you to enjoy some life. You're basically just doing this. What is the wage? How much do we bring in? And then you say, you're diligent, I'm going to tell my money where to go. When Ron and I were in debt truly up to our balls several years ago, we had credit cards, credit cards debt, our mortgage. I think we had an automobile payment at the time. And I remember getting phone calls from American Express. They called me. I was one day late with my payment, and they said, we want your money. I didn't have the money because I basically had listened to Dave Ramsey, and we'd learned some things about money and stuff like that. This is where all this is really coming from. But anyway, I said to them, American Express, you're at the bottom of the list. I don't really need you to live. I need my house. I need groceries. I need a car, and I need gas to get to and from work. I don't need you, and I'm sorry. I will pay you back, and I know you'll charge me a little extra interest, but eventually I'm going to get you paid for. They call me every day until I finally sent them something. And I made a vow. I will never have another American Express card because they're evil. <laughs> now, I'm the one that started the journey. Yes, you, you follow what I'm saying. I got myself into the trouble they were doing what they were trying to do. But then they raised my interest to the maximum amount allowed by law, 25%. I made a promise to myself then, I'm never going to be in debt to not just them, but anyone like them ever again. That's the small print, folks. We've, we've got to learn to tell our money where to go. Here's the good news. I won't tell you how. So if you want $8 a cup Starbucks, knock yourself out. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. But I will say to every married couple, sit down and work on your budget. And spend your money very wisely. Plan not just for the now, but plan for the future. What's the future? You hope to retire someday. I know some people can't, they can't afford to retire because my money, my retirement's still down. Y'all know the stock market just basically crashed this past week. It is what it is. Here's what I'm trying to say. We need to budget our money. You need an emergency fund of money. Y'all know what an emergency fund is? We all have emergencies. By the way, an emergency is not, oh my gosh, I've got a sale going on at Macy's. That's not an emergency. An emergency is when your air conditioner breaks or you, something in your car breaks, unexpected. You've got money set aside to pay for it so you can move on. And that emergency fund minimally, some people say 1000 probably should be more than 1000 today because 1000 just doesn't go as far as it used to. 
but we need money set aside when the emergency happens. And here's the rule. Don't touch it. And then take the debt that you have, pick one, maybe your lowest payment. Pay everybody else the minimum and throw everything at one until you get it paid for. And then take that amount and then add the next amount to the next one and keep going until you get them all paid off. And the last debt you work on is your mortgage. I know what my mortgage is. You know, my mortgage is getting close. I'm just imagining when my mortgage is paid for, that's a big chunk of change. Here's what I'm saying. It's, it's a blessing to be free so that your money, the money God puts into your possession, you can say, God, how can I serve you? How can I use this money to be a servant so that I'm not serving the debtor who is my master? We want to be free of them.